go ahead and find a, a seat and let's, but, but, well, no, you don't need to find a seat just yet. Rise to our feet and let's sing these words to our Lord Jesus, you are all to us.
Lord God, we pray that every heart in here would cry out to you and say, Yes, Lord, yes, you are everything to me. Lord, if there's somebody in here that can't, without any reservation, say that, Lord, we pray that today they would find Christ as their Savior. And they too would be able to say, He is everything to me. Lord, I pray that uh, believers here today would just worship you in spirit and in truth, that we would walk away from this place a little bit more conforming to the image of Christ than when we came, because we know that is your goal for us. We pray that that would be ours as well. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's just boom, smack dab into it. The elephant in the room. Moment of silence. There is no bulletin today. So if you've been a traditional Baptist for 50 years or more, and you, you just, I mean, it's like, I don't know, I can't, if, you, if you need to be dismissed, we understand. Okay, but I think I think we'll I think we'll be able to go on. Okay, uh, hey, let's. Uh, now we are sorry we did have a glitch in the uh, copier or something, and so we couldn't produce one this this uh, Sunday. So we're sorry. Uh, we uh, do want you to fill out a white card though, and so uh, a, a connection card, and and please do that for us. And if you have a prayer request, put that on there. If you want to know anything more about the church, put that on there. We'll be happy to contact you. Okay, so please do that, and you can put that in the offering plate. At the end, uh, today we're going to be talking or singing a little bit about uh, serving the Lord and 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 the works that that are done on the Lord's behalf. And of course, we know as we've been going through Ephesians, those works aren't going to help us in our salvation, but they are going to be a mark of our salvation. Amen. And and so this great old hymn reminds us uh, that uh, that we are called to serve. We are called to be God's people. Sign of hope. 
hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Say that again. My hope is built. Is built on nothing less than Jesus, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Christ alone. Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace.
stand before the throne. Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. attention to scripture just a moment. In 1 Samuel 15, after God's rejection of King Saul due to his disobedience and leading the people to disobedience, Samuel says this to the people, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen than the fat of rams. And then let's fast forward to the New Testament, John 2, 5, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, says to the servants at the first miracle about Jesus, whatever he says... Do it. You know, billions of books have been written about how to be a Christian, and it boils down to that, doesn't it? If Jesus said it, do it. Let that be said of us. Amen? Let's sing this together. Let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion, that with gladness we bore Every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the course, knowing within us the power of the risen Lord. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong, let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song, till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Yes. 
the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I'd like to take the time to address a couple of anniversaries. One is Don and Chetta Currents. 29 years she's put up with that fella. <laughs> Bless her heart, right? <clears throat> yep. And five years ago today, I preached my first sermon as your pastor at this church. Five years. Yep. I think uh, no better text of scripture to preach than Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, right? I'm a grace man. I get excited about grace. I want to remind you that Christianity is supremely a religion of grace. I would go further to say, you know, religion is man seeking after God. Christianity is God seeking after man. So it's probably better to say Christianity is supremely a relationship of grace, right? We sing about grace, we name our churches and our children after grace, but I'm convinced that grace is not well understood. And it's often not even really believed in the church of Christ. We use the word, but rarely do we think about what it means. I would venture to say that most of us think infrequently about grace. Now it's safe to say that for every discussion we have about grace, we probably have a dozen about church budgets church programs, what we're going to do next. Now, that's not true for all of us, but just think about this. How often does grace touch your lips outside of this worship center? How often do we discuss the grace of God? I'm convinced that some people never get over what God did to them when he saved them by grace through faith. We just don't ever get over it, thank the Lord. And we can join with the Apostle Paul and say... 
by the grace of God, I am what I am. However, it is safe to say that some never think of it. Some do. I think the most important reason why people don't think about grace is because it is repugnant to man in his natural state. It is. J.I. Packer uses the arresting term unbelief, I'm sorry, misbelief to describe the problems with Christians in the area of grace. Misbelief. That's an interesting term, right? He goes on to say that he thinks since we don't fully understand who we are in the sight of God, we misbelieve God's grace. In other words, we have a sub-Christian view that is less than fully biblical. You say, well, that's not too bad. Just a little less than fully biblical. Well, the problem with that is it's worse than it sounds because to be wrong about God's grace is to be wrong about the very heart and core of our faith. Grace. Praise God for grace. Amen. Packer goes on to say that the spirit of this age is adamantly opposed to the doctrine of grace. So if we stop and consider a study of grace. I'm kind of giving you an ode to grace on my fifth anniversary. You ready for that? Ode to grace, right? I did this thinking of the term grace. Do a perusal through your concordance and look up the word grace in the New Testament. How many have ever done that before? Just to read all the grace passages. I see a few hands going up. All right. What a wonderful, worshipful experience it is. Here it is. Here are a few of my favorites. Full of grace and truth. Grace in the place of grace. Grace was upon them. He saw the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. The word of his grace. Commended to the grace of God. Saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Through grace they had believed. His grace rested upon them. Abundance of grace. Grace abounding. Under grace. Chosen by grace. According to grace. Experience of grace. Y'all getting this? An act of grace. Surpassing grace. Sufficient grace. Glorious grace. The riches of his grace. By grace. The hope through grace. Stand in grace. His purpose in grace. The spirit of grace. Strengthened by grace. The God of all grace. True grace. And growing grace. And again, my all-time favorite. I am what I am because of the grace of God. No amens? Do you understand grace? We have been studying the old, old story. The only way you can be saved. By grace. Through faith package of salvation given as a gift from God. Some of the gentlemen in the church, young and a little older, me probably being the oldest, we enjoy going up to the weight room. I want to tell you here, we're blessed at this church to have the facilities we have, and some of you never go up there. You need to start exercising. Just go ahead and tell you. Get up there and push some weights and walk around the track. It's all up there, it's, and it's for a reason, and we'd love to see it used, so we had to open it more, okay? But we go up there and get in that weight room, and it's, it's kind of grown, you know, larger numbers. You know, we'll have uh, several of us up there. We'll have uh, Jeffrey, our youth guy. I mean, he's just, just had a major transformation since he's moved here, right? You're doing so much better. Yeah, buffed up, right? <laughs> Amen. 
And Brother David's always been up there. And Cade is always up there lifting. And Rhett and Jordan was up there last week. And we were all lifting those weights. There's a common thing that all of us know. When you go up over your body weight, lifting weights. For me, you know, I do weigh 230. Uh, make no bones about it. But when I'm pushing something in the 250, 260 range, and I'm pushing it multiple times, what do I always think about? A spotter. Because there's going to come a time, if you do it enough, that you're going to get hung. And, of course, I look for people who can get it off of me, right? <laughs> I don't look for Don Currents. Ah! I love it. I love it. I have to say that about Don. He's going to listen to this on tape probably. That's great. But, but what happens? I mean, you're, you're struggling for that last time to get it up, and then you've got a spotter who might nudge it a little. He may have to grab it harder. But in reality, he's helping you the rest of the way up. Well, I've just explained to you the belief in medieval times of how you're saved. In other words, I do my best, and God's grace comes along and does the rest. Folks, God is not interested in spotting grace. There is no such thing. That is profoundly wrong. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, God's grace is not interested in cooperating with human effort or human will so that we can get the weight off of us. It's not interested in doing a little bit and God doing the rest. Actually, a Latin phrase was coined back in the day that says, He who does his best, how could God withhold grace? That is profoundly unbiblical. That is not what the Word of God says. Listen, folks, all of the... By grace through faith, package of salvation is a gift from God. Martin Luther is considered the father of the Reformation. And in our present situation before Christ, here's what he says. Our situation is so hopeless that salvation must come from another place. It's a great words. God creates faith in the human heart the same way he created the world. I'll say this quote because I'm about to show you from the text where that's true. He found nothing and created something. Thus, folks, every part of our salvation is a work of God from first to last. The one working in our salvation is the Lord God of eternity from first to last. So the grace of God is God's love and mercy that is shown to me not just in spite of my lack of merit. What do we mean by that? Well, I had nothing to merit to it. A positive will, a positive attitude, positive works. But it is also the grace of God in spite of my demerits. In other words, what was my condition? Well, I was in a condition where I could expect nothing but the judgment of God. But instead, I received grace. And you did too if you're saved. So grace says this is what you deserve, judgment. But I'm going to do the opposite of what you expect. Right? That's the mercy. He does this not because of who we are but because of who he is. It's not because of what we've done, but because of what the Son of God has accomplished. The Bible operates on a clear-cut premise in the Word of God. And I believe it's as clear as the noonday sun, and that is that salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, the imputation of righteousness to our account, the granting of eternal life, the adoption by God into his family, the reconciliation with God, the perseverance of the saints, all of that is from beginning, which means eternity past, to the end, eternity future, right? A work of God.
We can rejoice today, folks, because he that began, who began the good work, will be what? Hallelujah. Our God is faithful. The one who began it will complete it. Here's what I know, and I've watched it. I'm 51 years old, and I've buried a lot of people. And I've watched a lot of folks die on their deathbed. Here's what I know. When you are lying on your deathbed and your family gathers around you and you commend to your children and if God lets you live long enough, your grandchildren and if he gives you a lot of gravy to live past 80, perhaps great-grandchildren and when you are lying on your deathbed and you are commending Jesus to your children and your grandchildren and you're conveying to them how your Savior saved you and walked with you and was patient with you. I want to remind you that the only thing that's going to carry you through and that has preserved you and will that, that will allow you to die in faith is the grace of God. Only. Amen. All the way to the end. Now, question. Do we need daily grace? Did you know the same God that created that work in you and began it is the same God that provides the ability for you to do the work today? We forget about that. We think about saving grace. But you understand there's restraining grace, there's saving grace, there's daily grace, there's persevering grace. The grace chain just goes on and on. Uh, I'm saved now, uh, we think. If I'm saved and I believe that grace saves me, we think, well, I can just live any way I want to. Have you heard that excuse thrown out there before? If you use grace as an excuse to sin, it shows that you've never understood grace in the first place. Where do works fit in? Our actions, our growth in Christ. Well, verse 9 makes it clear that salvation is not of works. While verse 10 makes it clear that we have been created for good works. Can we give God glory by reading this section of grace one more time? All right, here it goes. We're going to read it all. Ephesians 2, 1. Listen. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. Underscore that. We're going to see an inclusio at the end of this text, an envelope that closes the door on the text. From walk to the way you walk now if you're saved. Okay? Interesting. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Great conjunction right here, amen. But God, being rich in mercy because... Of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Paul's going to get to verse 8 and extrapolate more, but he can't stand it, so he has to slide it in there. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What's the purpose of this? So that, purpose clause, in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift 
of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right, you ready for today's sermon? Plowed a lot of ground to get here, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't have a bulletin, but on the uh, PowerPoint, we are saved by grace for works. Remember where we've come from? We're saved by grace alone. We are saved through faith and not works. And then in verse 10, we are saved by grace for or unto good works. Two things under that today I want you to think about. You ready? All who are in Christ are God's creation. Okay, track with the, the way that division is worded. It's important. All who are in Christ are God's creation. At first glance, people like to divorce verse 10 from the context. That would be a tragic error. The four provides a further reason as to why salvation is by grace and not by works. It's not just mere explanatory to say uh, that we are as workmanship created into Christ Jesus unto good works. That's not, you got to go back to verse 8 and find that it's connected to the main verb. Saved by grace or saved, okay? So, the emphasis still is on God's initiative. And the ultimate responsibility for our salvation is God's. Asserting that believers are a new creation that God works to accomplish. That is the reason it's given like that. So, 4 connects to the main verb in 2.8. Introduces a further reason why salvation has nothing to do with human effort. It's rendered this way. Check out the text. Y'all reading it? Depending on if you have an ESV, NASB, uh, Holman Bible translation, uh, NTB, whatever you may have in front of you. There are... I'm going to hit probably all of them in a few moments to share one of those words with you. But here it is. The text says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ. Do you know there's only one other time in all of Scripture where those two phrases are joined together? We'll talk about that in a few moments. But let's just take the word created uh, first. He, the literal rendering is, he created us. The construction of work and creation. So God created us, and this is in the realm of salvation. God created us how? That prepositional phrase, which is so important, in Christ formula. He did it in Christ. Romans 1:20 refers to the works of creation. If you don't have time to turn, just listen to it. Most of you probably know this verse. But here it is in chapter 1, verse 20 of the book of Romans. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation, there it is, of the world, so that creation of the world, listen to this, in the things that have been made. Okay? So we have created, and then we have have been made, poema, where you get your English word poem. So it was created... And then you have been made. Well, those two things are put together in chapter 2, verse 10. You see it? We are his workmanship created. He created and he made a design 
in the creation may be a good way to see it. So put that word in your mind, created. God did this. God created. Now move over to the word workmanship. There are many, many, many translations. Let me, let me show you. Can I back up? Chapter 4, verse 24. Let me show you the same word created first. I just overshot this. Look at verse 24 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. And to put on the new self. Y'all need to look at this one. Y'all are in Ephesians? Some of you got your Bibles turned upside down. All right. Are you in Ephesians? Chapter 4, verse 24. Listen. Lock in for a minute. And to put on the new self created. Y'all see the word? That's the same one used in chapter 2, verse 10. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Y'all know 2 Corinthians 5, 17, don't you? Do I need to quote that one? Anybody want to shoot it out there on the airwaves? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a, there it is, new creation. This is salvifically speaking. He is a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let me show you one more in Galatians 6, 15. Same exact word. Here's the word of the Lord. Boy, it can't be any clearer, folks. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Mm. That's what counts before the Lord, right? That's the only salvation. Created new life is what God gives his people. Now, let's move to the word, as the ESV says, workmanship. What are we building on? All who are in Christ are God's creation. We unpack the word created in Christ. Now, what about this word Poema, where we get our English word poem. Well, there are many, many translations. Some of you may have handiwork. You got that? Anybody got handiwork? You're not even looking at the Bible, are you? Masterwork, masterpiece, creation, work of art, and the NRSV says, and what he has made. In all cases, it has to do with God's material creation. In some contexts, there's this emphasis on craftsmanship and design of the creator. In other words, here it is. Can You can think of this as the potter's skill in creating a jar. Does that make more sense? The potter and the clay. That's the word going on here. The Greek literally means that which he has made. That which God has made. A work. A making. So, it is possible that Paul chose the word to emphasize God's skillful an intelligent design. So putting together, not just that he created it, but he did so with skillful design. Folks, what is this referring to? Your salvation. Are y'all listening? It ought to make us want to worship the king. It's connected to our salvation. God is the creator. Think about this. Nothing exists apart from him. Hear this. The Bible declares that the glory... The, glory, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 19.1. Folks, the galaxies and the stars and the solar system proclaim the works of his handiwork. Yet as wonderful as the cosmos is, that's not, what talk, that's not what's talked about here in this masterwork of God. Nature breathes the very glory of God. But it's not the work of art that's referred to in this text. Now, how many have ever sung the song. How great thou art. Have you? 
Do you think the writer thought about this for a moment about God's creative ability? Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands hath made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Is that not the creative power of God? Listen to this verse. When through the woods and forest glades I wonder, hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. Speaks of lofty mountains grandeur. But you know that's not the apex of God's creation. What is the apex of man's, God's creation? I told you before, right? We know from the text of scripture that it is man. Mm. Elena asked me to head upstairs up in Alabama and pick up the little bundle of joy before we travel back. A little case, Luke. And I uh, went up those steps, tight little steps where they're living right now in the house. And I made my way up there, maneuvered over. The room was dark. But I knew exactly where to go, right? Where he, where he was in the crib. And I scoop him up. And my first thought is, God, save him at an early age. You know, I just had a few moments to go down those stairs. And I'm thinking, what an incredible creation of God. I mean, that little thing's that long. You look at the other grandbabies running around, you're like, boy, this doesn't fit. I mean, he's so little. He's going to break. But we know he, he won't break. But then we think about what an amazing creation of God. That's why abortion is such a terrible, heinous sin. Why that baby is made in the image of God. All right, you got that? Let me wipe my face, okay? Now listen, here's what Kent Hughes says about a baby. Its mind is an amazing computer recording virtually everything it experiences. Its eyes pass on incredible amounts of data, first through the cornea, then through the focusing lens where the image strikes the retina, stimulating 125 million nerve endings simultaneously. This is processed by millions of micro switches and funneled down through the optic nerve which contains one million separate insulated fibers so that there's never any short circuits. When the information reaches the brain, an equally complex process begins, all which takes place in a millisecond. That baby is made in the image of God. And if that's not enough to think about his body, think about the fact that God created him with a, with a human soul that has the ability to communicate and have a relationship with God. Mm. Man, without a doubt, is the apex of God's creation. Yet as wondrous as man is, it's not the masterwork spoken of in this text. The masterwork is God taking you Dead in your sins. Separated from God. And making you alive. He created you. And he did so by his handiwork. To take you from a place of death. To life. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to be a grace man all the way to my deathbed. And I'm telling you. When I see Jesus face to face. Grace will just be abounding. More and more. Okay. Back to the song. I didn't forget about how great thou art. Here's what it says. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, right, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross 
My burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. Grace to take away my sin. Right? Think about it. When Christ shall come. That's even getting better, right? With shout of acclamation and take us home with joy shall fill our hearts. Mm, amazing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, old has gone, the new has come. So, this is what Jonathan Edwards said. The spiritual life which is reached in the work of conversion is a far greater and more glorious effect than mere being and human life. God's most stupendous creation is man made alive. Hallelujah. If you're in Christ today, it's because God made you a new creation. All right, second, the believer's life is characterized by a path of good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right. Works, folks, are a sign of workmanship. Does that make sense? No works, no workmanship. No works, no created life. I could really stop there and say amen, let's have the invitation. That is ultimately what's going on in this text. True believers, if you're the real article, the real deal, those who are made new by God, then you will work for him. Right? Paul has denounced works as a ground of earning salvation. You're not saved by works. But now he extols the necessary outworking of your salvation by works. So writers agree. When I looked at this, I thought, now what works are you referring to? Because that's a broad, isn't it? And you got it exactly right. I don't think it's narrowing in or honing in on just, uh, for instance, Jews would have thought that certain works like circumcision, Sabbath observance, maintaining Jewish purity regulations, that's probably what they would have been thinking about maybe, but that's not what I believe the text is referring to. I think it's broader. Don't you think it would certainly find its fountainhead in Galatians 5 called the fruit of the Spirit? Some of you Baptists could really take a good dose of the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we would have to say that those are works that we live out love and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control against which there is no law, right? We think about those. But I think it's also the ground of where spiritual growth takes place. Because you are united with Christ, we have a life that leads itself to good works. I think that you don't have to look too far to find out what some of them are. Just turn a page. In my Bible, I didn't even have to turn a page. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. This is the job, calling, of pastor teachers today in the church. Verse 12. What are we called to do? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Some of you thought, I thought the, the preacher drove the church bus and we just piled in on it. And the preacher does all the work. Unfortunately, that's the way people see the church too often. But in reality, that's not what it is. The work of the ministry I'm looking at. Right? Am I called to do the work of the ministry? Absolutely. But so are you if you're saved. So here it is. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Check this out. 
building up of the body of Christ. Now, we're going to get here eventually in Ephesians, but this is talking about the local church, right? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So many things going on in here about good works. So it's a, a broader thing. I'll read some verses in a few moments. Here's what Martin Luther said about faith and works. I think this is really, really good. Faith is a divine work of God in us. It changes us and makes us to be born anew of God, John 1. It kills the old Adam, makes altogether different men in heart, spirit, mind, and powers, and it brings with it the Holy Ghost. Amen? Oh, it is living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. And so it is impossible for it not to do good works incessantly. It doesn't ask whether there are good works to do, but before the question even rises, it has already done the work. And is always at doing them. Folks, in other words, the greatest evidence of true salvation is good works that produces, that Jesus produces in the life of the child of God. It's evidence that you belong to the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That is 2 Corinthians 9, 8 for you note takers. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 17. The man, that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. Listen to Titus 2, 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Okay, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let your salvation work out of you, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Phillips says, a great dispositional change marks genuine conversion. So that a person who is still dead in trespass and sin is in contrast to the believer who has been made alive by the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, folks, if we profess to be Christians, but our lives exhibit no evidence of behavioral change, then we are self-deceived. You can't, in, you can't come in contact with the saving power of Jesus Christ and not be changed. You will be changed. Works are proof that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. John 15, one of my favorite texts. Abide in the vine. He's the vine and we are the branches. Y'all remember singing that song as kids? Abiding in the vine. And Jesus begins to talk about work, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit connected to the vine. If there's only a superficial attachment it's not really connected to the vine, then there will be no fruit. Those limbs will be cut off and thrown in the fire. No real attachment. In other words, you can't be vitally connected to the vine and not produce fruit. Hallelujah, right? So, if there's no fruit, no change, no works, then you have never been made alive by the Spirit of Christ. Works are nowhere to be found before salvation, but ought to be found everywhere after salvation. Check out the last few phrases of this amazing passage. Which God prepared beforehand. 
that we should walk in them. Who's the antecedent here? Who's working? God. God is working. And this word beforehand actually means to prepare beforehand. And the term is only used in one other place in the entire New Testament. And it is Romans 9 verse 23. And I'll read it. Here's what it says just so you understand. Verse 23 of the book of Romans. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. That's the other usage in the Bible. So God not only predestines people, but also works that they actually will perform. It introduces a purpose clause. This is supplied by a divine will declaration. We are to walk in them. And that's the sphere. Okay? Right? We're to walk in them. And the word walk forms that inclusio. You once walked according to the course of this world. But hallelujah, because you've been made alive by Christ, you now walk, as I said in the division, a path of good works set out by the king for you to walk on. Right? Amazing. So there is a full loop that has been made. We once walked in darkness being controlled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We were made alive in Christ, and now we walk with Christ doing good works. So God, in his grace had good deeds in mind when he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4. This is the path of good works. It ought to characterize your life's journey. We are his new creation. And the activities that we have reflect the fact that we've been chosen of God and that we are, in fact, saved. We're his new creation. Look, folks, even our works and service are designed to bring glory to God. With the grace that he supplies you to do it. Let me show you that. 1 Peter chapter 4. Listen to how the scripture even talks about your gifts and what you do. We're almost finished. Okay, I'm about to land the plane. You ready? Listen to it. 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning in verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. What would you call that, folks? Works? Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Pregnant Pauls, without grumbling. More pregnant Pauls. No, verse 10. As each has received a gift. You do know when God saved you, you received at least a gift. Some of you multiple gifts. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Do y'all see, folks, how it's grace that does it all? Even the actions. Whoever speaks. As one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Are you ready? Are you looking at the text? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Ultimately, your works, folks are designed to bring God glory in the end. It's the path that God has set forth for us to walk in. The more you feel your need for grace, the more you realize that you are a candidate to receive it. Some of you are here today and you say, Pastor, I, I don't know what I did in the past, but I don't believe I trusted the grace of God when I got saved. Maybe I thought I could work my way. Maybe I was looking at spotting grace. I did my part, God did his. 
I don't know, but I've come to this point where I need grace. Maybe that's your response today from listening. Ultimately, you hold out an empty hand and ask God for His grace. That's how all of us are saved. Bringing nothing before Him except a broken and contrite heart. Mm. The miracle of salvation is a shock of grace. Any way you draw it up. John was praying for me in my office today and I got tickled as he was praying. He said, Lord, basically you were saying this. Whatever this salvation thing is, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> Amen. That, boy, that's my response. Lord, it, we, we can get caught up in semantics. I get it. But God, I am so thankful you did it. Salvation is your work. It's free. It's grace. I love what Ray Pritchard says about grace. Here's what he says and we're finished. When we get to heaven, there will be no contest to see who was the most deserving of God's grace. He said, after all, we were all dead to start with. There will only be one contest in heaven. When we look back and see what we were before, when we see the pit from which he rescued us from, when we recall how confused we were, when we remember how God reached out and dragged us into his family and how he held us in his hand, and when we see Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, the only contest will be to see which one of us will sing the loudest. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Ah, that's an ode to grace. Amen. Well, some of you are saying, whew, I'm glad we're done with Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Next week, we're going to talk about the fact that God tore down a wall. Aren't you thankful he did that, right? So in a world of CRT, God's concerned about tearing down the wall of the soul. So that we love one another unconditionally because Jesus Christ loved us no matter what your color is. That's what the Bible teaches. There are no divisions among those who know Jesus. Red and yellow, black or white. No matter who it is. We see people as a soul that needs to be saved by grace through faith. Brought into the family of God in love. Amen. Do you need to know the Lord today? All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I know there's a lot in that text. You've got to know who he is. Uh, it's his character. It's his person. But the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you respond to him today? Let's sing together. Let's stand. Put your trust in Christ alone for salvation. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the Yeah.
play through that again. Go ahead. And maybe somebody has come to your mind. The Holy Spirit's brought to mind somebody who needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Let's just bow our heads and pray for that person just now. Michelle just came forward and said that she had a brother-in-law, right, Sam Richardson, that actually passed away of COVID today. And uh, what now? Last night. And she would really covet your prayers for her sister and for the family. We know that this is a uh, problem that we wish we could just snap our fingers and it would be gone. But for some reason, the Lord of heaven hasn't taken it away from us yet. But please pray. Um, You know, we're in this swirl of... Should we get this shot or should we not? And folks, we just need to pray for wisdom. Uh, This is what we do know, that younger people are getting this. And uh, most of them, I think, from what I've talked to medical people who I talk to often, back and forth at Mercy and Cox, is that most uh, that are getting it have not had it. And most of the ones who are getting it are not uh, vaccined or they're getting worse uh, because they don't have it. So... You have to do what God has called you to do as a family. But what I would say to you is if you have it, don't come to church. (laughs) We love you. But if your wife or your husband has COVID, don't come to church that day. (laughs) Really not smart. Really not a good idea, okay? So uh, let's just pray for our community. We certainly need to. Amen. We need to pray for reprieve from the Lord uh, who can heal our land. Right? We know that, so praise God for that. Uh, Just appreciate all of you. Uh, It's a joy to be your pastor. 
Um, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Praise God. But this is a reminder that if you're not plugged in to a service in your church and you are saved, uh, I want to be nice as I can, but you're not obeying the Lord. You need to consider where it is God would have you to serve and to give the gifts that God has given to you as works. That the God that called you is the same God that ordained the path that you are to be walking on, right? So the handiwork produces work. So I pray that you'll think serious about that. We've we got lots of things coming forward. I've got lots of work to be done. Pray for us. The, the construction's going well. And hopefully before next year, we'll have her done. Amen. So God bless all of you. Let's sing this as we go. Let the cross be our glory. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through.